listening to the Autism 411 podcast with Dr. Tamara Moody from the South Florida Autism Charter School. Welcome to another edition of the Autism 411 podcast from South Florida Autism Charter School. I'm John Roger with your host, Dr. Tamara Moody. We are going to be talking about some exciting stuff today. And uh, Dr. Moody, I understand we're finally going to get a perspective of a teacher today. Yes, I'm so excited, uh, Miss Amanda. Um, actually, I'm not even sure how long Miss Amanda has been with us. I feel like she's been with us forever. Um, I just thought it was important for us to hear what the teachers are going through in the classroom through just not just through the, the pandemic, but just as a whole um, to work with our population. It takes a special person. And I, I would just love to hear, like, why does she do it? You know, she she's an amazing teacher. I've always told her that I believe she even got teacher of the year one day or she should have gotten teacher of the year one day if she's not gotten it because she's just that good. But she's one of my lead teacher in her school. And I just think it would be great for teachers out there in public school as well as in our school that may be listening to our podcast to see why Miss Amanda is always so positive. I would imagine it's uh, uh, quite a, a feat. You've had uh, quite a few teachers over the years. Many of them have stuck with you, um, you know, through the different schools when you, your first location, the second location, the third location, and now the fourth location. And some are still here after all that time. Yes. Um, and, and let me clarify, we, we've moved around a bit trying to wait for our permanent home to be built, but this is it. This is our permanent home. Unless one day we decide to like have another location, but this we're not moving anymore. Yes, Amanda is one of those teachers. I believe this is her second location with us. Um, yes, I do have some teachers who've been with me for more than 17 years, moved with me from the private school that I was a director of. I'm very excited um, to say that um, every year when we send contracts out and I have my teachers decide to come back, I'm happy to see that Miss Amanda is one of those teachers that um, decide to, to return, especially since she's not even from Florida. But um, without uh, holding up, I want you guys to meet this amazing teacher that I adore. She knows it. I tell her every opportunity I get. Miss Amanda, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much, Dr. Moody. I'm glad to be here. So we're going to be talking today. Just, I just think like a new teacher coming in, working with children with autism. Like, what are some of the things that they need to think about before deciding that they want to work in this field? What would you say that would be? I definitely think that it would be helpful for them to think about the type of students they want to work with and what kind of dedication they would have to this kind of field because we really work with a diverse population. So saying you're going to be a special ed teacher or an ESE teacher, you could work with so many different types of students. You could work with students who have learning disabilities, or you could work with students who are severely impacted, or you can work in the full autism community, which is something that I really was passionate about because of my mom, who uh, she's retired now, but she was a speech therapist for 35 years working specifically with the autistic population. So I knew that this was the population that I was really excited to work in. Oh, wow. You brought up mom. So I know you're not from here. And I thank your parents every time I, you're at home and I, I call you, I make sure to say, tell your parents, thank you for allowing you to be here. So tell us why Florida, why are you here? Cause, and where you're from, cause folks listening may not know that you're not, for, even though I keep on saying it, but may not know that you're from Florida. Like where are you originally from? Where are your family? And why did you decide to be in Florida? Or what's keeping you here in Florida? Oh, I'm born and raised from Pittsburgh. You know, I bleed black and gold. I went to Penn State. I'm very much from Pennsylvania and my family is still there. Um, a few years ago, 
I was thinking about, you know, what I wanted to do with my career and I wanted to transition from being a therapist to a teacher. And that was something that I did in Florida. I joined a program that I moved to Florida and the school that I was originally placed in was not a great fit for me. <laughs> and I always say that Miss Bindu was like my SFAX guardian angel because I was ready to like pack the car and go home. And I got a phone call from Miss Bindu with an interview. I came in on Monday, I was offered the job and then I was putting in my two weeks and I've kind of never looked back because SFAX was so much like the right place for me. And I really felt like very supported here. Oh, I'm, ha I'm happy you said that. So have you never thought going back home, you must have had those like I miss my mommy moment or miss my dad or my brother. Absolutely. I think of that all the time, but it's ultimately like this is the place that I choose to be, at least for the time being, because I really love our students and the things that we do here that are so special that I'm scared to go to a different school or to go to a different setting because I don't know that the same opportunities are there for the students that I don't think they have that same level of community. I don't think they have that same level of support. I don't think that they're offered the activities and the clubs and the friendships and the types of experiences that they get here at SFAX that are so unique and special to SFAX. I mean, that's one of the things when folks ask me what makes SFAX different, I always bring up the fact that I have folks like you who sponsor these different clubs and, and our kids experience everything that their neurotypical peers would wouldn't, you know, would experience and, and, and you're a big part of that too. Um, I'd like you to tell us a little bit more about the clubs, but I have to say I'm still back on your mom because I think she's she's adorable that we have a, a, a page and she's always one of the first person to like or comment on our page and i think that when you have parents um your parents and the family support it's easy to be here away from home because i know that your mom comes in town as often well your mom and dad comes in town as often as they possibly can and i know that they're a big supporter of you know what you do here so i just want to do a big shout out to your parents and tell them thank you so much for for allowing you or making you feel it's okay to be away from them because i know that must be tough sometimes but yes tell us what clubs you've sponsored what what you've seen here that you hadn't seen in, in other setting because um, uh, for me that is it makes me excited when I think about like I see some of my student goes I'm gonna key club now and I'm like wow cool you know or um, I'm gonna go I'm gonna do a movie that's what we did a movie because I know you're a big part of a movie that we made here and um, and I know uh, Rock, Mr. Roger could relate to that because him and I have been talking about how to expand our media club and Miss I don't know if you knew this but Miss Amanda is a sponsor for the media club oh now I know <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about the, the different activities why you feel that you know that we give to our student and how have you seen that has impacted your students over the years well, like you mentioned, I'm the sponsor of the media club, along with my co-sponsor, Miss Evelyn. And a lot of the students in my class are actually members of the media club and the key club and the basketball team and the dance team and the SGA, all of these different clubs that we offer. And I end up kind of getting to participate in all of them because of my students that are in all of the clubs um, and a lot of the other teachers uh, are very involved as well. So it's really cool to collaborate with them and see what we can come up with. One of my favorite things that we've done was our zombie movie that we made two years ago. Uh, we're hoping to make maybe not a sequel, but a different variation this year, um, just because it gives us something very fun and very special to do. Because like, who gets to do that? Not even neurotypical kids get to be part of a movie sometimes. And it's something that our kids really like blossomed getting to do it was something that was like so special and so fun for them to do 
So I've said, I'm so sorry, Ms. Amanda, you're hearing our school secretary make an announcement because again, we do this live, right? That's right. It's important that folks know that this is, this is happening. We're doing this while school is on because we want you to like get a feel of like the, the reality of it. Yeah. You're, you're actually, when folks are listening, you're actually listening. We're in Dr. Moody's office during school hours, putting this together. So there's students that come in, there's teachers that come in, there are people that come to visit. There's uh, noises all over the place. So if we hear it, just uh, keep listening. We're, we're, we're good with that. But I understand, you know, you guys have been talking a lot about, you know, how, uh, what makes SFAX different and, and what makes this uh, such a special place. And what I, I, a question I know that a lot of people ask and probably don't get an answer to, you know, you being a teacher and working with the special needs students, it's, um, it's a lot different. How do you prepare yourself? If you're a person that's gone, you're going from this uh, therapy world and you want to in transition into teaching, you're like, you know, I want to make a difference. How would you prepare yourself to do something like that? I think one thing that would be really important to prepare yourself is to learn as much about autism as you can, learn as much about ABA as you can and understanding the different types of communication that our students use. If you are someone who has no experience in this field and you're not really sure what you're getting into, you might not know that people are nonverbal and communicate using picture communication or using like an iPad program to communicate. And there's so many different ways that our students are accessing the world around them. There's so many different ways that they're communicating their wants and needs. Like we talk about all the time, like behavior is communication. Mm -hmm. It's not just the words that you're saying the way that you express yourself. And I think that sometimes, like when we go to trainings with teachers just out in the regular district, sometimes they're very surprised when they're put into special ed settings because it's not something that they were familiar with. I was very fortunate because my mom was a speech therapist, so I was made aware of all of the different types of communication from a very early age. So it was something that I was kind of primed for, but I definitely can see how a lot of people might be surprised by that. But there's so many resources. There's so many podcasts you can listen to. There's blogs you can follow. There's amazing teachers doing amazing work online that you can follow and really like a wealth of information that you can tap into. And I, I also think, because you're one of my leads here, and I also think that when someone's going into a new school, they should find a more experienced teacher that's in the school, a positive teacher that they see that looks happy right mm -hmm. and kind of like ask for them to mentor you I, I think that if you find the right person and you have that support um i think it it, it it would work out great for new people at least just from my experience here when we started to have the mentor program it seems like my newer teacher felt a little bit more at ease they weren't by themselves they weren't a little lonely person on this ship but burnout Mm. We've seen folks, especially through the pandemic, has gotten burned out. I don't think I've ever seen you like down. Like you're always, sometimes I observe you when you're teaching. I'm like, where does she get this energy from? Like, and, and your and your kids are just like feed off of it. Um, but like, how do you keep it positive? Because, you know, to be frank, our school is, it's really difficult. We have the entire spectrum, you know, we can get hit sometimes. Um, sometimes we want to cry because we're teaching one of our students to do something and we know it's right there. And you get sad because you know it's right there or you see a student that's struggling to communicate 
and you just wish you could just lift them and hug them and stop them from being so upset with themselves for not being able to express themselves the way and i know it can take an emotional toll on us because it does me all the time and that's why i try to reinforce you guys as much as i can but how do you like what do you do like do you have like a ritual when you go home you turn off the light you just go into a zone or do you do yoga or do you just talk to friends and vent about the day um, or do you just talk to your mom or you just like, you know, it's done, it's work and I'm moving on. Like, how do you, how do you just, cause you don't look burnt out. You look like you have all this energy, like all the time. I think when I'm with my students, it's a priority for me to be there for my students. That for me is it, no matter how I'm feeling, no matter what's going on in my work life and my personal life, my students are it. And I can save whatever I'm feeling for later and I can feel that by myself later on or I can process it with my friends. I can talk, I can, I can call my mom, I can call my family and process it that way. But in that moment, like I know that my classroom depends on me and what I bring to it. If I'm not in it, it doesn't have the same energy. Like I'm the one who fuels the energy of that classroom yeah. and that's the energy that everybody shares. So if I'm frazzled, we're frazzled. Yeah. If I'm sad, we're sad. But if I'm excited and I'm happy, then we're excited and we're happy and we're going to push through. SFAX is a lot of hard moments, but it's also a lot of really beautiful and joyful moments. So what I try to do is when I'm having a day that's not so great, I remember those days that are like, I remember how it felt when we did um, a few years ago when we had our first basketball game at the walk. <laughs> that was one of my favorite moments, not even just of working at SFAX, but that was like one of my favorite moments of like my life yeah. and how beautiful and happy it was and how special it was and how like I had a moment because I was helping do photos with the media club and I had a moment of like take this in because this is something really really special and you're a part of it so I remember that day I remember how I felt when we did the drive-by and saw and seeing all the families that we hadn't seen in almost in well over a year at that point and remembering how I felt then I remember how it felt to like film the zombie movie I remember how it felt to dance on the stage with my kids. Like I remember those very special moments and that's like what gives me that energy to get through to the next to the next one. Like when we're dealing with behaviors or we're dealing with whatever it is that we have going on because there's always gonna be another really special moment. Yeah, I, when you start talking about the special moments, I'm trying to think what was my special moment of last school year and I believe it was movie. The movie mm -hmm. day when we all started to dance, that was, like so much fun we were all tired but it was it was just so much fun so you've had the opportunity to work with the younger kids mm -hmm. the older kids and i know your heart belongs to your you know your older kids um how has it been being with the the 12th graders because it's a senior year and uh, you must have all these activities planned out i got a, a little birdie told me they told you about crown day like you know like what are some of the activities and that you come up with and how do you make these activities so that um our kids can really get it because I, I mean our kids they have autism right mm -hmm. you know and uh and some of these ideas is what we're getting from other settings that don't necessarily have our children like what do you think about just even in the club and when you're thinking about prom and when you're thinking about the senior trip like how do you make it in such a way that our kids can feel a part of like it's not something that's being forced on them it's something that they're a part of mm -hmm. and i think that there's a thought that a lot of people have around autism that kids with autism are not social and they're not like they don't want to have those relationships and i can tell you from my experience that that is absolutely false 
else. And one of the things that I have learned over the past many years at SFAX is that our kids know when they're not included. They know when they're not involved. When I used to be an elementary teacher, we would have like, well, we all do costume day for harvest day. But if there was a student whose family didn't send their costume, they knew. They knew that they were not a part of. And I think that's important to think about when we plan these big special activities, which is like what is so special about senior year is like all these amazing special activities that we get to plan for this class. And this class is very special to me because I've had them. I had them through the pandemic. I had them when they were younger. So it's very special to me to get a chance to plan those activities with them. And it's also to keep in mind what they specifically need because every single child with autism is different than their own self. So to know we can plan prom, but what are the specifications we need to include for this class to fully enjoy prom? So does that mean that we have to have more breaks? We need to have a quiet area to step out. Do we need some sensory activities? Mm -hmm. Do we need more snacks? What do we need to do to make our prom not just special for everyone, but special for this specific group of kids? Exactly. Yeah. Our, um, and that's one of the things that I, I've been preaching since I've started this podcast is that there's no two kids that's alike. They're like snowflakes. And in terms of your kids, it's a big group. Mm-hmm. It's one of the biggest senior group that we've ever had. And I'm, I, I don't know, I just, they, their personality is so different there's like Mm -hmm. leaders there's followers there's like there's just a lot of different opinionate people who just have a lot of opinion um, that's in this group so you know uh, i i'm excited about what you have in store for this group i think it's going to be a a great year so you know um one of the things and and roger you are you're john you're a parent and and in terms of like Miss Amanda, she is one of the teachers that's always had a great relationship with her parents. You've somehow been able to to foster those relationships. And I'm gonna say this, and I know some parents are gonna be like, Doctor Money, did you say that a lot? Yeah, our parents are hard. <laughs> our parents can be extremely hard. Love them, love them, love them, love them, love them. And appreciate that they trust having their children here, you know, and the sacrifice that they make to have their children come to our school. Some of our parents are driving past thousands of schools coming in from Palm Beach, coming in from Homestead. So I get that. Um, But Amanda has always been able to 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 win her parents over. And you've always been one of my parents who has been easy to win over. And I, and I commend both of you guys for being able to do that because not all of our parents come in like that. You know, they don't realize that we're, this is a team effort. We're here to, to work together. So John, what advice would you tell Miss Amanda and upcoming new teachers and how to, to build these relationships with parents? And Amanda, what uh, advice would you give to, to, to new, you know, because I'm hoping that new teachers or people in college right now are listening to this podcast and, you know, and they're waiting there, like, who do I work with Jeanette? Do I work with special needs? Do I work with autism? And like, because without you guys, the parents are a vital part of the progress that the kids make here, especially at SFAX. So if we're not together, it's difficult. I can tell you that from experience. So, yeah. I got it. I got it. You remind me of a, of the press corps when they're asking questions. <laughs> I'd like to ask this question. And let me follow up with this one, this one, and this one. 
you know, the biggest thing for me is uh, when I first came to the school, you know, I, I noticed right away that there was a difference. There's some parents that, you know, it's no big deal. There's some parents that they're stressed. And I didn't first, it didn't first register why, but it later on, I, I came to understand why. A lot of it has to do with the level of stress that's in throughout the whole life. When you have uh, parents that are dealing with one uh, special needs child and maybe one parent doesn't work, the stress levels are a lot less. Yeah. When you got two special needs childs, both parents are working, you have lots of things going on, um, and then your stress levels are constantly high, you tend to forget that they're, you know, everybody's human. You tend to forget that your, your impact on everybody is going to be important. And when you get there first thing in the morning after dealing with Miami traffic and your kid's been hitting you, the other kid didn't sleep all night long, and then uh, you're supposed to hear from your teacher about an assignment you didn't, you didn't know about, and they're like, hey, where's the assignment? You're just like, why didn't you tell me? And your mind is like, you know, you gotta, you have to pull back and say, wait a minute. If this was a normal situation, neurotypical, normal family, everything's fine, that happens all the time, and the and the teachers in a, in a public school system that they they deal with it. Mm-hmm. But we're we gotta take it a step further. Our kids are special. We know that they're special. They're special to us, and they're special to the teachers. They're gonna cause us chaos in our house, and then they're gonna go and cause the chaos in the teachers' room too. <laughs> and then they have to deal with not only our children doing the chaos, but all the children in the room doing the chaos. So, in my perspective, I kind of come into the um, I come into the day looking at like I'm not gonna aggravate my teachers. If they need something, I'll get it done. If I didn't get it done, I'm going to apologize. And the reason why is because I know that they've got a lot to deal with, way more than the average teacher would. And if you're a special needs teacher or, you know, you're someone that's thriving to, or striving to be a special needs teacher, yeah, it's hard. It's not as easy as it's going to be for um, a standard and neurotypical classroom. It's mm-hmm. not going to be easy. But the joy that comes from this, think about this. Yeah, you can teach any classroom. But when you teach these special needs kids, there's nobody for them. These kids do not have anyone vying for them unless we're doing it yeah. and and we're giving them a chance to have a future and I have said this over and over again when it talks about you know when we did the parent one with me and my wife my kids have made tremendous tremendous progress why this school and the therapies that they get but it's the school they're here five hours a day yeah. these teachers give their all i've watched it i've seen it when we do the walk when we do uh, events outside they're giving their all to make sure that my kids and every other kid that's here get a fair shake and you have an insight now because your wife is now working for right us, and, and she's, doing she's amazing and now she's and she talks you know a little bit to me about how you know challenging it is and i and i and i say to her i said you know last night i said i i can see how tired you are i know how effort this much effort you put in because i in the middle of the night our kid will wake up mm. two o'clock in the morning he's up and this night the other night he was up jumping on top of her and she was asleep and i said for that to be the case you're tired mm-hmm. and i know that you're giving it your all because you know these kids they need it and then you know I, I hope i haven't gone so far that we forgot the question for you communication is yeah. the most important part absolutely and that was that's the advice i would give to a new teacher as well is that building relationships with your parents is about being honest and being clear we don't sugarcoat things we don't We don't fudge the facts. It's what happened. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you every time. Mm -hmm. And it's also about being compassionate. Yes. Because a lot of times I've heard this from parents, you know, in meetings that at their old school every day was, well, he did this and this and this and this day was not good. 
we're always looking for the positive because there's there's positive and negative in everyone's day all the time. Mm-hmm. I do good things and bad things every day. Mm-hmm. And so does everyone else. And so do our kids. I'm going to tell you what happened because we do have, you know, students in our classes have behaviors mm-hmm. and Sometimes students do get injured Mm -hmm. and we are very clear about it. We're very honest about it. And we're also going to tell you what other things happened that day, too, because you might have had a great time doing our fun activity in the morning and then you had a great snack and you had fun playing a game and then you got upset in the afternoon. But then we turned it around and had a good rest of the day. And, And I have to say that we've had more positive with our honesty from our parents than anything else because honestly working with this population i feel like there has to be trust mm-hmm. without trust nothing else work right especially if you have nonverbal children attending our school you need to know if they didn't eat you need to know if they got scratched you need to know if something happens right and we're never gonna not amanda knows i'm a big so like we're gonna tell the parents. yeah this happened we're sorry and we'll try our very best not to for it to happen again but you know, one of the things that I always say to our teachers and I say to the parents too, I like is just remember it may be your child the next day. Yeah. So tomorrow it's you know, no one wants to no one wants their kids to get hurt. But you have to understand that, you know, the, the parent who child is a hitter feels just as bad as you that child got hit because no one wants your child to be considered a hitter in the class. My kids have been hit, they've been bit, they've been scratched, and I've gotten the reports. And every time, um, you know, the, the teacher has said to me, I'm so sorry. And I look at the teacher and every teacher we've had, and the first thing I say is, it's okay. It's all right. He's all right, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's all right. We're good. Because I know it's going to happen. And I don't want anyone fretting over, oh, I'm so sorry that that happened. This is, this is, he bite, they bite me. So I, I, I'm, I get it. It's going to happen. And as long as everybody's a okay, nothing's problem. We're all good, yeah. you know. If they, and I know that that's it's a tough thing for teachers around here because there are some parents who are like, "Hey, what the heck? My child got bit. How could you? How could you let that happen?" Well, you know, <laughs> it's gonna happen. That's yeah. why we all have special needs kids. You know, if you, if you want your kid to stay home by himself 24-7, he'll never get hurt. But he also won't go anywhere. And I don't know about you, but I want my kids to have one shot to do something in their life. Yeah. And I know that they're not going to get it if they're not progressing. And that's what the school does. And that's what teachers like you do. You're giving it your all to make sure that they're progressing. And it, it shows. See, other mm-hmm. people are seeing it too. So, uh, you know, I, as a, as a director, I've, I struggle with the decisions that I make on a daily basis. I struggle with, am I reinforcing my staff enough? Am I giving them the support that they need? And I think that this last two years have been harder for me because, um, you know, I, I have to quarantine rooms sometimes, right? And then I get questioned, but what my, why are you sending my child home? And, and my child's not going to wear the, the, the mask or just all these different things that I have to deal with on a, on a daily basis. This, you know, and I go home sometimes and I, and I question my decisions. You know, did I make the right decision? Did I, did I say the right thing? Am I, is it okay? Because just, I, I do that all the time. How has that been for you? And you're, and you may know, cause you talk to the staff, you're a lead, so they come to you. How has this pandemic has, has changed for you, changed you in your thought process as being a teacher? Has it been hard, like just different, you know, or challenging or, and, 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 and if I could support you in any other way, be honest, you know, we're having an honest conversation. What would that look like? Cause 
sometimes I worry, you know, am I doing enough? Like, you know, um, trying to protect you guys and trying to protect my student. And also being a parent myself, understanding that I have to go to work and I can't possibly be home with my children. Like, um, and, and, and yeah, I'm getting all worked up about this because it, it's something that I that think about daily. Like, am I making the right decisions? It's definitely been a really difficult time for everyone. We've gone through so many different changes just in the past you know, 18 months, however long it's been since COVID has started, just in going through 100% virtual school and then a hybrid of having some students in the classroom and then most students still online to now having all of our students in the classroom. And at each step of the way, having to figure out how can we keep as many people as safe as we possibly can in a very difficult situation because not all of our students are able to wear a mask. Not all of them are able to wear it consistently, but it has been helpful to know that we're trying. I think that when you guys were offering the mask training to parents, you know, I would recommend it as much as I could to families that wanted their student to be in school mm -hmm. because it was helping. We yeah. saw students making big progress with being able to wear their mask. And then now that we're all on campus, we can really see so many of our kids are wearing it oh, consistently. Gosh, yeah. Like. Yeah. I never expected this. And I think that's been true for, I've thought that same thing probably a hundred times since the start of the pandemic. I didn't think that we were going to be able to do virtual school the way that we did. And we did it. You guys did an amazing <laughs> job. I, I'm so proud of my parents, the parents that I had two years ago, the parents I had last year for the work they put in because I could see it yeah. day in and day out showing up to my zoom every day every day, everything in the Google Classroom done. And I would be like, oh, I think I'm really giving them a little bit too much. This is a lot of stuff. And they would just turn it out yeah. and be ready. I think I, some of our kids even got more independent. Absolutely. They learned so many yeah. things. Um, a lot of the kids in my class can open Zoom independently. They can open Google Classroom independently. And not just the verbal kids. It's a lot of the lot kids. Of kids. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, you have a very diverse room. I do. You're you. We have kids in your class that came to us not talking, and now they talk just like you and I. Mm -hmm. We have some kids who think they're comedians, and they're not. <laughs> <laughs> um, and your class is playing a big role in an upcoming event that we're having. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm all I'm very excited about all the work that we're going to be doing in the future. But so you're a teacher. You've worked with me for. This is my sixth school year, and in November, it's five calendar years. Oh, wow. So, you know, this is around the time that people get, like, done, right? Yeah. Um, what are the things, like, for me, the things that keep me going is the first time a child speak, and it happens on my watch, or first time a child use a bathroom, you know? I know you talk about events, but what are the smaller things? Because we have to think about some of the folks who are listening to us may not work in a school that they have. Uh, a dreamer like me that loves to come up with ideas and let's do this or like you but they may just be in a regular school that they may not have that kind of support and and, and not everybody's an essay we won't have we just have us right mm -hmm. how do you what are some of the things that has had keep you going because for me it's like potty mm -hmm. to have a child go to a potty for the first time i'm like excited about that as simple as that may be or a child that says mommy for the first time or hi for the first time 
or what we've been seeing lately is that all these kids jumping out of their cars. Like it's the most amazing thing when you see 260 plus kids just jump out of their car every morning. Mm -hmm. Like the parents doesn't even get to to say bye. They slam the door and they're gone. Mm -hmm. Like what are some of the things that other people that may work at a regular school should look forward to? There's definitely a lot of small victories. Yeah. And there's some small victories that come like every single day. Yeah. So you might not get the first words very often, but you will get like first time wanting to join in an activity with friends. Like we had a celebration a few years ago because I had a student who was very much to himself, who would sit away from others, get his chair and bring it over and sit in the middle of the group of friends just while we were doing like just dance and having fun in the afternoon. And that was a huge win. Yeah. You know, the relationship that you build with the kids because it develops more and more every day, you know, it's not just about like pairing and reinforcing. It's also like building an authentic relationship with your students and having that you really be an impactful person for them and someone that they look forward to. And that is something that's rewarding every day. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think that's uh, this is one of the most reinforcing job you could possibly have because it's definitely not for the money. Right. It has to be for just more, much more than just the how we get paid. It's it's a rewarding job. Um, Amanda, it's uh, thank you so much for joining us. I, I'm sure your kids are probably wondering, where is Miss Amanda? Miss um, Amanda took a couple of minutes out of her time to come and sit with us. We stole her from the classroom. Yes, we did. Um, you know, just. Just to chat, because I thought it would be important, especially now, you know, a couple of weeks into school to kind of like share, you know, why you do what you do and how to get new people into this field. Because we do need good people mm-hmm. with a good heart and patience um, that want to work with our population because it's it, it's it's one of the hardest jobs you could think of. It's really difficult being in our field, but I think it's one of the most rewarding jobs anyone could think of. And there are some key things that you said that I want to just kind of like get back on. You know, you both talk about communication. Yes. To be a good teacher at any school, you need communication. Um, Amanda is one of those teachers that think outside the box. To be a good teacher in working with children with autism, you have to be flexible. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to, 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 to think outside of the box. You have to be able to move when they move, you know, and, 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 and be able to do it with leaving everything outside the mm-hmm. door when you step your foot into to to a population like this because our kids feed off of us you know and 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 they're not deaf and not talk about them respect them um and that's one of the things that i i, I value with you is that you respect your children mm-hmm. no matter if they're verbal or nonverbal. you you tend to somehow you're able to build these relationships that even when you're not their teacher they seek you out and i hope as facts will have more of miss amanda in the future because if we have a ton load of Miss Amanda working here. This is going to be, I believe that we're amazing school already, but it will be even better. Um, do, do you have any last thought that you'd like to share with parents or teacher alike uh, on how to, to get through this upcoming school year? I would say just to keep going, keep pushing. Even when you have a rough day, there's always tomorrow and you can always try again. And as many positive relationships as you can have outside of, you know, yourself, outside of work, outside of, you know, building relationships with your team, like building positive relationships with your assistants, with the parents in your class, with your kids, 
it's all about making connections and that's really what's gonna be the thing to carry you through Thank you. That was really inspiring, actually, to hear a lot of what she had to say there. And, uh, you know, I hope that what we can do is reach more teachers out there to say that, you know, there's a home for you over here. You know, I think a lot of teachers would like to be here. Yeah, I think so, too. And some of the things that folks don't know about what we do at SFOX is we invest. We invest in our teachers. We try our best to reinforce them as much as we can. We bring in food trucks when we when we when we can. We we have a very active PTSO that is very kind to us, and we will help to go back to school. And I have all these other little things that I need to talk to Miss Amanda and some other folks about to see if that will mean anything to teachers moving on future, like student loan and and so forth. Um, but again, I love my job, and and to work at SFAX, you have to love what you do. That's right. And um and and if we could get more and more people interested in working with our population, the world would be a better place. Because our kids aren't going anywhere; they're here to stay. And if we just could get some some folks who really truly want to work with this population, SFAX is also always looking for good folks who want to you know work with this um this group of kids because. Again, they're like the best reinforcer a person can get. Yeah, they'll pinch you today, but they'll give you kisses tomorrow. <laughs> That's for sure. And you know, you when you when you mentioned that, I guess the best thing we can ask is how could folks uh, reach you and find out more about the school or find out how to apply or if they have uh, questions for Miss Amanda as well. Yes, if you have questions for Miss Amanda, info at sfax sfacs org. It's the easiest way, and we'll pass it on to Miss Amanda. I'm sure. Should love to talk to prospective parents, prospective teachers, even if it's not here in Florida, anywhere else, because I'm telling you, she is amazing. We didn't get too much about her teaching style, but she's a great teacher as well. And she, I'm sure she'll be able to share that with you or the different website that she goes to to get information because um, we didn't skip a beat through the pandemic. We, we worked through the entire thing and our kids did really good. And I know that was a struggle for a lot of folks who had, you know, who has special needs children. Also, you can visit our website at www.sfacs.org. And if you go there, you'll see my email address and some other folks here, and you'll be able to send us information there. I'm always posting Miss Amanda's class on our um, on our website, on uh, we have Facebook, that you can follow us on Facebook. TikTok, Instagram, uh, what else do we have? We're on TikTok now? Yes, we do TikTok every so often. And oh I gotta get Ms. Amanda's class to kind of <laughs> get on there some more. Um, but yes, we try our very, we have a very big um, uh, social media present and uh, hopefully we can grow that, um, you know, some more. And again, uh, working with these children, I can promise you that when you go home at the end of the day, two things will happen. You'll cry sometimes because it's just so hard. But then after you cry, you think about all the great memories. It's like, it, it, we, we just have some great, great things happening here. That sounds good. Well, I look forward, of course, to, well, we all look forward to hearing more. Um, I'm sure we have lots more coming up in our, our podcast series. So make sure you follow us on our webpage, uh, our social media channels, and and all, where, all the places you can find podcasts will be there. And uh, Dr. Moody, it's always a pleasure. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you. It's Amanda, thank you again. Thank you so much. This has been the Autism 411 Podcast with Dr. Tamara Moody from the South Florida Autism Charter School. To learn more, visit sfacs.org.